Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing. We just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'm going to be your host. And I don't have a short and simple way to explain the topic of conversation today. So I'm going to begin by sharing a quote that I heard yesterday that I felt very insulted by. <laughs> uh, not necessarily insulted, but maybe you'll get my feelings after you hear the quote. So I ran across this gentleman who was looking straight into the camera as if he was looking into my soul. And he said, you're not stressed out because you're doing too much. You're stressed because you're not doing enough of the things that make your life feel like it's worth living. And I was like, well, that was rude. What was that, Becky? Ouch. Yeah. It's like, okay, that was a rude thing to say to me. Um, <laughs> so it got me thinking a little bit about where the boundaries start to fall for things like that. And I'll explain what I mean. So as with any endeavor, there are going to be parts of our job that we don't love, right? Um, whether that's the bookkeeping, the marketing, um, the selling, the whatever, the framing, I don't know, depending on what your job is, what kind of art you do, whether you work for somebody else or for yourself, there's always going to be parts of it that we don't love. And sometimes those parts are going to be bigger or smaller, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast, right? Um, but where do the bounds fall between, okay, if I'm not doing enough of the things that make my life feel like it's worth living where where does that end and the fact that sometimes things are hard and you just have to do them begin where do those two things collide is it a hard stop is there mixing there so that you can't really tell when you're starting to get into or from this is just an unfortunate part of my job to these things have taken up too much of my life is there even a way to tell and what do we do if we find that, that this quote is true? So that's part of the question also. Is this just a cool quote that's like, oh, well, it got me thinking a little bit? Or is this a truism? I don't know. I've been thinking about it since yesterday, and I haven't come to any really fantastic conclusions yet, except to say, am I just an inherently stressed person? <laughs> or is this guy maybe onto something? I don't know. I haven't really decided how I want to take it yet, but I know that a lot of us go through these feelings of there's so much going on all the time. I know I absolutely put a lot on my plate all the time um, and can lead to feelings of I'm getting little things done incrementally, but I never can quite feel justified like, I'm getting where I want to go. I recognize I have limitations. 
that stop me from like jumping ahead in leaps and bounds. And I'm trying to work within those limitations, but that by itself is stressful. So how do we take this advice? You're not stressed out because you're doing too much. You're stressed out because you're not doing enough of the things that give you joy or make your life feel like it's worthwhile. How do we take this? How do we break it down? Is it even a piece of advice worth thinking about? I don't know. I want to hear from folks on the panel this morning. And Basam, if you have any thoughts and you're interested in going first, I do want to make sure we take advantage of having you here before we lose you. But what do you think, guys? Is this a, a good piece of advice? Or is it just maybe prodding us to think a little bit more about how we're structuring what we include in our days? I don't know, but I feel like I need the answer. Anybody? Well, I guess I guess I could just say whatever's on my mind, whatever comes to mind. My first reaction to the comment, I guess I have mixed messages about it. My first reaction was, yes, that's what we've been talking about for a year here: is how to actually get to do things that give you choice, how to make choices in 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 the things you do, in the life you live, in the behaviors you choose, how to continue looking for these things that make you feel good. Uh, where you feel like you're contributing, you have a goal, you have a mission. I mean, we've been talking about that. So yes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, was it a rude comment or not? That's a different story. But then I, on the other side, my thought is, well, utopia doesn't really exist. And, and you know, the realities of life is that we have to deal with what life brings us and we have to deal with responsibilities and things that we need to do that may not be what gives us joy. And uh, it, we just need to do that. It's, it's, yes, we have a choice, but I don't know any person who does only things that give them joy and only things they want to do. They all have to deal with life as they go along, as they go along. So, um, I guess it, then it becomes a matter of how well do we manage the stresses of normal everyday life? Right. And the more, and his, the way he posed the question to you, yes, you're not doing enough of that. But what's the definition of enough? And I think that's a personal thing uh, it, that's, that's, uh, that we define as we go along. And uh, how our life is worthwhile is only our own definition unless we are, are uh, you know, constantly just comparing ourselves to, to others and, and, and wishing that we're like others. But again, I'm, I'm assuming that we all have our own internal dialogue about what is um what is fulfilling for us in life. So that's what's on my mind. I like that, Basam. And for, just to say, no, he wasn't being rude. He was just giving people advice. The rudeness was just my imagined way of saying, why are you coming for me with violence like this in the, <laughs> in the morning? Like, oh man, now I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the day, you jerk. But um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think you're right. And of course, you're also right in the fact that that's a huge topic of conversation here. How do we get to that place where as much of our day as possible is filled up with us doing things that make us happy, make us feel like we have purpose and joy in the world. Um, but I think there definitely is a question around, like you said, how much of that are we doing? Are we out of balance there? Um, and if we are, how do we figure out what is necessary it's just a necessary difficulty in this part of life and what is 
you are suffering needlessly. And I think that's a, a big part of probably the heart of the question for me, um, particularly for those of us with really fantastic imaginations. It certainly seems like we have this ability to create reasons for ourselves to suffer. And letting my mind wander over all of the things and all of the scenarios and maybe that maybe that's really what's causing that question to feel like it's attacking me a little bit because maybe it's more in control or more in my control than i assume it is i feel like this one has got my head all tied up in circles and i don't have Unlike many questions, I don't feel like I have a clean path I can pick through this one, but I, I really like your initial thoughts on that, Basam. Yeah. I guess if I go back to the, the, the fundamentals of we all have unmet needs, um, I don't know why I'm saying that. It, it just it, it, It's just making me think that until we find that need, like we're always unbalanced. Like we so find what we need, we're always unbalanced. So we're constantly working towards something. And it comes back to the journey instead of the of the destination and all these things that we've discussed before. Sorry, I'm just babbling, but that's that's really what what the thought process is, is how do we know that we have arrived? And the, and the answer is probably you never know, right? There's always something because when you arrive, then there's something else that you're doing that, that that you may not feel good about. So is it an ever ending reality of life? And it's just some of us are more passionate and more aware of it than others. So no. Yeah, me neither. And maybe, um, maybe there's really something to, you mentioned utopia, and maybe there's really something to these unrealistic expectations. We can build for ourselves this idea that all of life is supposed to be happy, right? And it's all supposed to be like, if we do the right things, which is kind of tied to this, this popular idea of, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, which is of course bullcrap. But maybe there's something there in thinking that this is a truism when in fact, we've internalized something that isn't true at all. And the suffering isn't a result or the stress, the suffering or the stress, we'll use those interchangeably, isn't a result of there actually always being something wrong, but of you having created expectations in your head that just aren't realistic, maybe. Yeah, in a way, it's like you, you suffer when you know that you're fooling yourself, right? Damn, that's I don't know a if really that... good line, Bassam. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the struggle is you know, who am I trying to fool and why am I living with myself like this? Right. It's almost like we have to put on this front for our own sanity or for our own uh, pleasure. Ouch. Okay. So what you just said there also made me think of, there was a kind of a, a dual purpose in this conversation. Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up or if it even would make sense, but I think what you just said allows me to actually tie this into the conversation in a fantastic way. And I'm gonna use a really stupid example of me, but hopefully it makes sense. If I could, I would be dressing in Hobbit clothes every day of the week. That would be my wardrobe. I would show up to second breakfast in my trousers and my vest and my cape. 
Like that is, <laughs> that is the life I would like to live. However, I don't really want to deal with <laughs> other people's responses to me living this life. And so by the very nature of the question, I'm kind of, I'm boxed in a little bit. What am I willing to allow myself as far as expression goes? What am I willing to deal with from other people as far as their response to my expression goes? And does that have an influence on how much of myself I feel like I can be in any given situation? Um, and, And this idea of unmet expectations and then also of us kind of lying to ourselves a little bit, maybe there is something in there some need that's not being filled where my personal identity is concerned, right? And I'm just using this as an example to try to expound on this idea that sometimes our ideas of our personhood can even be tied into this greater conversation around expectations, what we think our life should look like. Are we supposed to just be happy and rosy and everything's beautiful every day? How much of the difficulties and expectation are we bringing to this is just part of life and we're supposed to have these things happen and that's also good and we can still be content even when we're not doing things that we love how does identity play into that have we imagined for ourselves how things should be or how we should be able to be and the expectations of other people come into the equation and start kind of squishing that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know for artists um, in particular, this can be kind of a tricky place to navigate because in a way, society also kind of expects us to be certain things, right? Whether if we're running a business, we're expected to show up in a professional manner, but artists are also kind of expected to be a little weird and quirky. And so we have a lot of expectations based on stereotype that are pressed upon us. And part of this idea of filling our life with the things that make it feel like it's worthwhile comes to a a T intersection, I guess, in a way, against other people's expectations and how much of their expectations we want to meet or disagree with. And are we willing to deal with the repercussions of that? So that kind of, I feel like, also factors in to this question for me a little bit and how I'm processing it. And if that's so, it must mean there's something in there that really niggles me. Um, And that might not be the case for other people, but just as an example of like internally where this question is pulling me as a, a way to potentially think about this, how much of a difference would it make if I felt comfortable or if I didn't have those expectations to butt up against, um, would I just show up to, to the party, you know, looking like I stepped out of a Renaissance film? Um, maybe. Would I be happier? I don't know. Somehow I feel like I would be. <laughs> anyway, I think I dragged that into a weird space, but go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to say as someone who is very comfortable making loud fashion choices um highly recommend do it do it and see what happens <laughs> can i ask you a question nicole yeah absolutely 
Are you happy doing what you're doing? Um, I guess that depends on what part of it. <laughs> Am I happy making, <laughs> making art for a living? Am I happy telling stories for a living? Absolutely. Am I happy with my home life? Um, it's been COVID for a long time. I would like an escape from my children a little bit. I've been home with them for about two years and some change now. Um, so I could use a break there. But in most of those areas, yes, absolutely. I still have things to do that I don't love. But yeah, on the yeah, whole. Of course. But you find joy in the things that you do, right? Yes. So stop listening to TikTok for life advice. Stop it. So what I'm what I'm saying is, of course, there's this, you know, uh, guy online, I think I saw the same thing yesterday, and it struck me in the same way. But the the notion of of the fact that you're stressed, because you're not doing what you love, I, I think is such a sweeping generalization, and targeted at people, it's kind of like, it's kind of like getting someone to agree with you about a, a basic fact, like, man, isn't the sun great? And everyone's like, yeah, the sun is great. It's the same kind of thing. Wouldn't you love to do the things that you love to do? Yeah, I'd love to do the things I love to do. And what I'm getting at is, if you are already doing those things, yes, we know that there are going to be parts of your 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 job or the thing that don't bring you joy. But the overwhelming fact of it all is that it does bring you joy. And if you never saw TikTok Guru 107 say, you know, hey, you're stressed out because you're not doing enough of what you love. The thing that you're you're keying in on is that he's telling you that you're stressed out when you might not actually be stressed out. But he's putting that thought in your mind and you're going, yeah, you know what? I might be stressed out. I'm not doing enough of what I love. When in fact, you are doing what you love. And then there's a couple of other things that you don't necessarily enjoy either. And that's fine. I think what social media and society expects of us especially social media, is that we have this ideal life where we're living on a beach and we're drinking margaritas and we're making art with one hand and we're collecting money with the other and people are just flowering uh, around us and we're just wonderfully happy all the time. That's not life. That's a, that's a moment in life. And what we're doing is we're teaching ourselves to not be happy with what we have, to not be satisfied with the choices that we've we've made. And it's okay to always want a little bit more, but you are doing what you love. I'm doing what I love. Am I satisfied with the way my bank account looks or, you know, my meat bag that I carry around every day? Am I satisfied with little things like that? Eh, there's always room for improvement, but I love doing what I do. And when I see something like that on social media that says you're not doing enough of what you love, I'm like, I sure am. It's what I'm doing. Yeah, there's things that piss me off, but I'm doing what I love. And I think those of us that have found that path, like you and Becca and Bassam and everybody in here that's found the path to doing what it is that they love to do, hold on to that feeling. Because that's the feeling that trumps everything else. All those little bricks are uh, the, the stresses, all the little things that we don't want to do are bricks in this foundation of a life that we want to build. So if you've found the thing that brings you joy, then for the most part, you are complete. 
How do you create more of that joy? Well, that's something that only you can figure out. But you have to come to a point where you're happy with what it is that you're doing. And I know you are. I would just love to see people stop feeling like they're not doing enough or not being enough or not successful enough and just sit back and realize that what you are doing does bring you joy. And those moments should not be wasted because you think there's supposed to be more to it. Sit in the moment and realize the joy that you have of just creating. I'm on a soapbox and I'm being very circular, but that's the way I feel. I see all these things and I feel like these, a lot of the inspirational, motivational people are doing more damage than good by holding us to an expectation that we can never reach. When in fact, the only expectations we need to hit are our own. And we don't take enough time to think about that. Ooh, Matt with the mic drop. Um, that was fantastic. And I agree with you so much. And so two things I wanted to grab out of that. Um, I think, so first, seeing the video didn't make me go, oh yeah, I am stressed. No, I'm absolutely stressed. I am. It seems to be a pseudo perpetual state right now, um, but that's not because it's gonna be that way forever. That's because I'm in some relatively unique circumstances in our life with my husband being retiring soon. And so there's just a lot going on. Um, and I absolutely have built some unfair expectations for myself where that is concerned. This idea that I should be able to manage it all and I should be contributing more and I should be, you know, everything under the reach of my hands should flower and be successful, right? Um, that's an unfair expectation. Nobody's putting that on me. I absolutely am building that for myself. And I think it's possible to be both happy and stressed out at the same time. Um, but having said that, I really, really like that you brought this back around to the expectations that we deal with, which is kind of what I was getting at when I talked about, you know, when our expectations butt up against other people's reactions and responses. And um, the, the, the quote, the TikTok thing was more, I wanted to bring it up more as a conversation starter because I think it's so easy for us really to feel that way. And maybe the heart of the question is, is conf confronting society's expectations or confronting the outside expectations that for many of us, we didn't really have to deal with back in the day. I mean, yes, when you think about history, there has always been a broad set of expectations that, um, you know, given your role in society, you should be able to think or do certain things. But we didn't have that on an individual level. And what I mean is right now, each of us has a megaphone that we get to use to shout at one another. And so you get other people's expectations for you, not just kind of societies at large, but individuals, their expectations. And then you go, oh man, that's a good point. Is that true? How does that apply? Is there something about it that rings true? Why? And that's, I think, why it felt like such a great question to bring up to everybody this morning, because there were certainly parts of that, like it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have affected me at all if there was something about it that hadn't rung true. And so what pieces of it are there? And I think you bringing up this idea of expectation um, where, uh, you know, positivity and 
um, the popular self-help stuff and all those kinds of things, I think really kind of touches on probably the nerve of what made it feel like a truism from the second I heard it. Um, and maybe that's part of my personality, taking on the responsibility for everything all the time um, and going, oh man, <laughs> maybe that's it. And if you're here today, I'm, this is not, <laughs> I don't want this to be a, you know, Nicole therapy hour. I'm really just trying to use myself as an avatar and hope that people can see in themselves bits and pieces of this that may be helpful. But yeah, I think at this point I'm starting to ramble, but, um, well, well, I think, I, you I know, I, I get what you're, I get what you're getting at. And I think, you know, I'm certainly not pointing any of this as you at you. This is all generalities, right? But those, the inspiration, motivation, right? They're, they're good to a degree. The problem that it causes is that it creates a lot of imposter syndrome. It causes a lot of comparison of your life versus what you're seeing online, right? Because you're there and you're listening to this guy say, oh, you know, you need to be doing more of what you love. And then you're, you know, you're looking at Instagram or you're looking at TikTok or Facebook and, and you're seeing all these people that are posting the highlight reel from their lives. And you're looking around, you're like, there's laundry to be done. There's dishes in the sink. I'm, I'm up to my ears with the kids. Like I just can't deal. Right. And you're looking and then you start to circle in this negativity of, of not having enough or not doing enough or not being enough or not being happy enough or all those things. Right. So this is the cycle that we go through is that we see something that resonates and then we do a little bit of internal reflection and then we feel bad that we're not doing what we see online because that's idyllic and it takes us out of our state of stress and feeling all these things. And then we feel bad about ourselves because we can't figure out how to get from A to B. And it's a really vicious cycle. I get caught up in it all the time, which is why I back off further and further from social media because I don't like comparing myself to others. I don't like feeling bad about myself when I didn't do anything to feel bad about myself. And it takes me out of the present moment and being happy with what I am creating and the life that I have built. And I think, you know, by looking at this, I, I really do understand what the, the meat of this guy's statement is. I just think that we fall into this cycle. We can receive that message, but then we also start to do this comparison game and this imposter syndrome game because we're not seeing the idyllic life that we want to live when in fact what you are living is an idyllic life because you are doing what it is that you want to do. Does that make sense? Is it, is it a little bit too yeah. out there? No, no, not at all. And I absolutely agree with you. And I think then the question becomes, do you think that it is? So first, um, I'm very much like you in the fact that I actually engage in social media way, way, way less than I used to, significantly less, which is probably the reason my growth on all platforms stalled out forever because I just can't be bothered. Um, but I was looking up, I don't remember what I was looking at on TikTok yesterday. Um, it's a platform I've been studying because authors are seeing big growth there right now that's leading to sales. And so I'm like, okay, what is everybody doing? How are they doing it? What kind of content are they putting out? Let me figure out if I can crack this walnut. And so I absolutely have probably been spending more time on there than I should. 
Um, and of course, engaging in a little bit of escapism, right? Because there's a, a kind of fantasy-esque community there that just, you know, hits all my bells and whistles. So I, I love that part of it. But I've had to withdraw quite a bit for exactly the reasons that you're, you know, you elucidated so well. Um, and I, that leads to the question if, cause we are absolutely, we know this, we've talked about it. We are so deeply influenced by the things that we see. And it's not as if you can say to yourself, I'm just going to be a stronger minded me. And then I won't be influenced anymore. And I can engage in these things without them affecting me. No, you can't. <laughs> I think we would love to believe that we can. No, we can't. Um, you cannot help it. It's the way that your brain is wired. And so if you're in those circumstances and you're being bombarded with these kinds of things and you hear something that rings true, what is the protocol after that, right? It rings true. Why? Um, maybe the problem at the end of the day is that we're internalizing things that we have no business internalizing. And something about that question felt like, damn it, that was probably meant for me. And maybe that's the, the strength of the huckster in uh, the reason that people will very easily believe, you know, things like horoscopes and everything. They're broad enough to apply and never individual enough to apply exactly to you. And so maybe even that is some kind of a mind trick that's, that's happening that we fall prey to because in a way we kind of can't help it. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think you, I think you struck upon something there. It's the internalization, right? I see this stuff all the time, and I get influenced by it. But I have to, I have to willingly internalize it to make myself feel bad, right? So the one thing that I've tried to do to counter that, and it takes a little bit of self awareness, and it takes a little bit of you know commitment to it, but. When I start to feel those feelings, when I start to feel like not enough or I'm playing that that comparison game or, you know, having a little bit of imposter syndrome, I immediately try to turn it into this game of the five grateful things in front of me, right? And it's a little bit of a countdown and it instantly puts me in a state of gratitude. I'm grateful that I have this wonderful computer in front of me. I'm grateful that I have friends that I can reach out to and call at any moment's notice. I'm grateful for the dog that just farted in the chair behind me because it made me laugh. All of those things are tools that I can use to snap myself out of this feeling like I'm not living the life that I'm supposed to live. And it gives me the sense that, oh, you know what? I might not be at my end goal yet, but I'm taking all of those steps to get there. And that for me is the important part. Again, it takes a little bit of time and effort and a couple of stickies on the wall to say, be grateful and, you know, keep yourself in that state of self-awareness. But yeah, I mean, we're all human. We succumb to this stuff all the time, but how do you get past it is the thing because I'll be damned if I'm going to live my life by social media and what people out there have to say, because I guarantee you that Joe Guru deals with the same problems as everybody else. So 
you know, what he says has no additional weight on my life than what I say to myself. So what I say to myself is infinitely more important. And I can choose to say the things that make me happy to myself, or I can choose to put that on somebody else to tell me how I'm supposed to feel. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow that to happen. I allow myself to feel good and bad and happy and sad and not enough and plenty. And all of those things are fine because they give you frame of reference. I just choose to try to do some of these things to help me get past those low moments. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But I think if you continue to stay focused on what you are building and what does bring you joy, and you do a little bit of that every day, and it makes a world of difference. And to stop letting other people force yourself into a comparison game, because there's no one to compare yourself to. You are you, and that's it. And there's no other expectations that you need to hit than your own. That's it. Kaboom. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think um, mindfulness was the other thing I wanted to touch on a little bit in this conversation because you using gratitude and then this idea of recognizing, you know, David has mentioned in the past, um, when feeling a strong emotion, looking at that as a flag to stop and go, okay, wait a minute, where did that come from? How did it get here? What does that mean for me? And is it going to serve me or is it going to harm me? And then using mindfulness or gratitude as a way to kind of recenter yourself when those things happen, because it is so easy to get that feeling and then to be dragged all the way into questioning the truth of it and then looking at your life and wondering and going, oh God, is it the thing? It might be the thing. Um, without ever stopping to go, wait a minute, okay, emotions aren't reality. Where this is pulling me now doesn't necessarily have to be where I want to go. Center myself a little bit with some mindfulness and looking at my life objectively and recognizing where I'm at, and what I have to be grateful for, and what I'm doing, and how much I love it, and all those things that you mentioned. Um, so mindfulness, I think, can be a really fantastic tool to combat being influenced by all of the things that are around us. And I really like where this conversation is going because um, I didn't ever really look at this quote as like the heart of a thing. I think we really are getting to the heart of the thing. It's kind of a jumping off point like, man, this affected me and my feelings. It poked my halt. <laughs> and uh, why? And what do we do about it? And all the questions that it brings up. So I want to poke Becca a little bit. And what do you think, Miss Lady? How do you feel about just this question as a whole, whether it's the initial quote that started the question, this idea of you're not stressed because you're doing too much or stressed because you're not doing enough of the things that make you happy or whatever, versus the way that things like that and what we surround ourselves with in social media entirely, like any insight at all into the question as a whole? Yeah, so I, this has been very interesting. And I think I took that initial quote very differently. Um, I mean, my, my first reaction was, ouch, not because I felt that it was rude, but because I felt that it was like ripping my heart out of my chest because it felt true for me. And I don't think uh, now knowing that it's a TikTok video, I didn't know that I haven't seen it. Um, I don't think it's one of those things that applies to everyone who may see said quote. Um, but I think it absolutely 
does apply to certain people. And I mean, I, I saw it more as just kind of that as a challenge, I suppose. Um, like I, I to, to be totally candid, I mean, let's be real. I mean, there's absolutely times where we general, we are not doing enough. And I don't think that the right response to feeling like you're not doing enough is always going to be to give yourself grace, to give yourself rest and to, you know, think that you are okay where you are and you're doing the best you can. Cause sometimes you really can be better. Because how are we going to stop running on our hamster wheel and make actual forward movement and progress if we aren't recognizing what kind of things need to be changed to make that progress? So I don't know. I, 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 I took it <laughs> kind of a different direction there because I feel like it, it absolutely can ring true. And it is something to you know be introspective and mindful about, like, where is that stress coming from? Is it coming from having too much to do? Sometimes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Can it be from not doing the specific right things? Also, absolutely. Like, you can have a perfectly, you know, idyllic kind of life. You can have the house and, you know, the spouse and the kids and whatever. You can still be miserable because you're not doing the right things to lead you to that happiness in any way. Or, you know, you can have the business. You can have the great paying job and still need to quit because it isn't actually the right step to move you forward. So that's my uh, my two cents rant. Um, yeah. So ripping the heart out is rude, though, right? Like, you felt like it was ripping your heart out. That's rude. Of course, I don't really think the guy was actually being rude. I don't think he was trying to be rude to anybody. It was more of my kind of facetious way to to deal with the feelings that you just so aptly described. Um, but I'd love to hear so. That's always the difficulty of embracing complexity, right? Is that, is it always true? No. Is it going to be true for some people? Yes. What do you do about it? If it is true, you do what Matt said and weigh that against your life and ask yourself, well, wait a minute. Is it true for me? Or am I internalizing something that doesn't belong to me? So I'd love to hear you respond, Matt, to kind of Becca's thoughts on the fact that, yeah, you know what? No, sometimes we should be feeling the bad feeling because it's telling us that something is out of whack. So what do we do in those situations? If something like that quote rings true, how do we tell the difference between the expectations that maybe society is pushing on us and the comparison that's happening versus a real red flag that's saying, hey, that was a key moment there. Pay attention, maybe something needs to change. I agree with Becca 100%. Actually, I, I think there are times where you you do have to take stock and be like, I'm not doing enough. I do this too all the time. I'm like, eh, I talk a good game, but am I doing enough to really get to my goals? Probably not. Um, but part of that is understanding that you're you're looking for that path, right? And a lot of us on on this group and in the conversations that we have have found the path that we want to follow right? Some of us have chosen to follow that path. Some of us are still struggling with being in a job and trying to do this as a hobby. And all of that is okay. And I think the the quote really applies more to the people that are in that early stage of not really knowing what it is that they want to do or feel like they're being pulled to something, but don't know how to get there, right? And I saw a lot of this with with bad managers in in the corporate world 
where they didn't know how to lead people and they didn't know how to, you know, have folks play to their strengths. And they would just keep forcing them to do something that was not going to be productive, whether that was in manufacturing or project management or, or whatever it was. And I think the same thing kind of applies here if you're your own manager and you're forcing yourself to do something that doesn't feel true to you then no, you're on the wrong path and you need to find those things that do bring you joy. A lot of times we get trapped in jobs that don't bring us any joy whatsoever, but we are slaves to them because we feel like they're offering us some level of security to meet some sort of societal standard. I know that's what I was doing. I gotta have the, the white picket fence and the nice family and all that sort of stuff. And I was miserable and I got divorced and I lost my job and I went through hell. When I found the path that I was supposed to be on, I haven't wavered from that since. There have been incredible ups and incredible downs, but I know that I'm on the right path, and just knowing that brings me joy. Will that path change 10 years from now? Quite possibly. I could become a shuffleboard pro. I have no idea what the world holds for me. But what I know that what I'm doing right now is what I'm supposed to be doing. I think a lot of people don't ever get to that starting line of finding what it is that they love to do. And they keep circling the drain over and over, being miserable and not finding joy in those things and just wishing and wishing and wishing. For me, the gratitude practices come from, I know I'm on the right path. I'm feeling like shit today. How do I get myself out of that so I can continue to do more of what I love? And that's really where I was coming from with all of this is my, my unique position is that I've been able to find what it is I love to do. And I think when you do that, you do accept the ups and the downs, but you have to be able to get to that starting line first. And I never would have gotten to that starting line if I hadn't been miserable and gone through those things and realized that there was a limit that I just couldn't take anymore. And I think that's that tipping point. We all get it at a different time and there is no one way to do it. So, yeah, I agree with Becca that, yeah, there's sometimes there's just you got to do more. You know you're destined for more. You got to do more. But that doesn't mean that it has to be sacrificing joy. It's just hard work. Yeah, totally. And I think I think nailing down that path is kind of the, the core of even that quote itself, right? I mean, you're if you're not stressed because you're doing too much. Maybe you're doing too much of the wrong things, right, that are not focused on that path. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's changing the perspective of what the things you need to be doing are. So maybe it is even a, a larger workload and having to do more things. But then when they are putting you in the correct direction, then they don't weigh quite so heavy. Yeah, exactly. And that's a difficult place to reach sometimes. Ooh, for sure. And I think, you know, it sounds like from your experience, Matt, and then in your case, Becca, you'll have to tell me if this is true for you. But this one little quote is not as if um, everything was fine until I heard it. Right? It's just yet another flag that's popping up about an already sinking ship, if that makes any sense. Like there are other things already telling me something is wrong. And then when the thing pops up that confirms that to us in our chest, all of a sudden it throws everything else into relief, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, totally. And I mean, I've seen lots of fantastic quotes out there and heard them and read them. And a lot of them just, you know, they, I think about them for a couple minutes and then they disappear. You know, I don't really think about them again, you know, at least not in the, the sense of an exact, you know, verbatim sort of quote. And um, I mean, like that, that description of, you know, it's like ripping my skin off kind of way, like, because that's something I already know about myself. I already know that not making the right kind of forward movement is something that does stress me out. And it was that initial reaction for me was more like, excuse me, sir, I did not consent to having my personal feelings revealed on the internet. How dare you? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, life shattering and, you know, changing and I have to listen to some TikTok guru because I don't, but I can appreciate the quote. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think your description there really matches why I felt like it was so rude. Like, excuse me. <laughs> I don't want this <laughs> because there absolutely is some truth there for me in my life. Am I happy? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm really incredibly lucky. That doesn't mean that I still can't refine that to be better suited or to make forward progress in a way that's not as painful. <laughs> um, but then I have to make sure that I take care about the level to which I internalize that, right? Like use it enough to make me get to a point where I feel like I'm back moving in the right direction or moving more clearly towards a better defined goal or whatever it is, but not to the point where I start questioning everything about my life that I was happy with before. But usually, like you said, Becca, you already knew that about yourself. So it wasn't as if this came out of the clear blue sky and punched you in the chest for no good reason. There already were signs and symptoms there that you knew about. And so having something come along that confirms those things um, just makes it all the more impactful. So then the question becomes, well, what do you do with it, right? So however we come across a piece of advice or a quote or anything else that really resonates. What do we do with that once it's there? How do we approach it in a way that allows us to take advantage of the truthfulness that we feel without pushing us to start examining everything and questioning everything and being unhappy in things that we were already happy with? And maybe a big part of that is what you mentioned, Matt, in making sure that we apply this only to ourselves and that we don't start playing the comparison game and start making assumptions about not what our life is or could be, but what it should be. And maybe it's the should that's the real rub there. It's a load of should. Um, I think... I think you're right in a lot of that is we can we can listen to these things and we can apply them to our lives. It's the comparison game that's the killer, right? And where we start feeling like if I only did this or if I only had this, then I would feel better. I'm here to tell you and I'm here to break your heart. You're going to get those things and it's not going to make you feel any better. I think that comparison game is is the worst and I struggle with it constantly. We've talked about that before. But um, yeah, I'm, I have no problem seeing this stuff. It hit me when I saw it yesterday. I was just like, oh, am I doing what I love to do? I should probably be out snowboarding more or taking more pictures or doing something creative. But I was like, there's time to do that. 
I'll get out and I'll do all those sorts of things. And it might not be instant gratification, which is what we've all become addicted to. But I will delay that gratification knowing that if I put in the hard work, I'll get what I want. And I think there's a little spin there as well, is that we're so addicted to this instant gratification. And if we don't have it right now, then it's not, it's not good. Then we can't be happy. When in fact, you can draw a lot of that joy and a lot of that happiness from the journey of just getting there. Oh man, I'm glad this conversation has gone where it did because I was hoping that this one little quote that made me feel a thing would be a really great door to conversation. And I think it has been, we have a hand up today. Um, so I'm going to bring you up, but we don't have a lot of time. So let's make sure we're trying to be as concise as possible. And we'll see if clubhouse is working for us today. <laughs> it may or may not be. Um, we shall find out. But in the meantime, um, I like having an opportunity to explore this idea of how much influence we give outside things over our life because we have so many outside expectations and we are bombarded with so much information about not only what could be but what should be and we have some decisions to make about how we're going to process that information and i think the thing that's the most interesting about where we are at globally as a society now is that we're in a place that we never have been at any point in human history. There has never been a point where we have had so much information, not only available to us all the time, but pushed on us all the time. And none of us were taught when we were in school or by our parents, how to process this much, right? Um, we, we were taught things that we should remember and our multiplication tables and all that good stuff. But information processing on a large scale is not something that has ever been taught to humans before. Everybody specialized. If you went to a college, you specialized in a certain thing because even that thing was full of so much information that being an expert in it was difficult. But now we have everything all the time, 24 hours a day, and we have some decisions to make about what framework we're going to use to begin parsing that information, deciding which things apply to us and which things we can discard. And all of us get to do that for ourselves. Not only get to do that, we need to be doing that. We need to decide the lens through which we're going to view the information that comes at us. And if you've never taken the time before to think about how you make decisions on what to believe and what to apply, now is a great time to do it because it's not gonna get any better. We're not all of a sudden going to have less information in the future. If things continue on the trajectory that they're on right now, we're only going to have more. So how do we make sense of those things? How do we decide which ones apply to us and which ones we can discard? We have a lot of interesting biases and habits of thought that are gonna come into play there everything from appeal to authority to distrust of authority. Um, so if it were me, and it is, because I'm doing this for myself, I've done this for myself several times, um, it's a really good idea just to ask yourself those questions. How do I choose what to believe, what to apply? Is it purely 
if it has emotional resonance? Do I need to be looking at the source material? Where did it come from? Where does the money come from? Um, who got paid to say or do? There's a million questions you can be asking yourself and you cannot do all of them all the time. So we need to have a filter that serves us. And um, I really like making sure that if the thing we are learning or reading makes us emotional, we have to question why and take the time to make sure we're grounding ourselves in our lives, in our daily life and being mindful and being grateful. And then one of the worst things we can do is try to process information when we're emotional about it. Information, ooh, that's a new word. I've coined it, it's mine. Uh, we'll take royalties anytime somebody uses it. Um, information <laughs> and how it makes us feel and use those things um, as a, a barometer to make sure that we're not judging things from a purely emotional standpoint. So I wanna leave some room for final thoughts. Becca, Matt, do you guys have any final thoughts in this area before we close down for today? Yeah, that information overload is definitely topical here for sure. I mean, like even just, just personally, when I think of those stressors and you know, when I have that stress of not doing enough, it often comes from not knowing what the exact thing to be doing is. And, you know, everyone's got a computer in their pocket, right? And we go online and we look for information, but we don't know always how to parse through that information. And I mean, this is something I think everyone can kind of, you know, apply themselves more to if they haven't already. But I mean, really kind of putting that effort into learning how to learn and, you know, how to vet your sources, how to think even kind of scientifically when you practice things, how to approach things like an experiment and, just think really critically about the information itself. Um, and it's hard and it's hard. And some, some of us were taught in school and some of us definitely were not. I mean, we can see that every day in daily life when we witness other people and their behavior or even our own behaviors, right? So like, and it's definitely a struggle to wade through the millions and millions of things that we now have access to because they're not vetted. You know, they don't always come from reliable sources. They come from TikTok guru number five, or we you know whatever it was earlier, um, you know, and it's it's difficult. But I think you know, putting in that extra effort to understand how learning works, how we can think critically about all that information, is really what's going to make that progress. Yes, <laughs> Matt. Anything for today? I don't know if there's anything left in my tank to say about it. To be quite quite frank, I think I, I, I pretty much said everything that I wanted to say on the topic. What it all comes down to is a lot of this information that's out there is good and it's bad. It's the lens at which you look through it. And sometimes those lenses that you look at the world through just need a cleaning cloth. You need to wipe off some of that gunk and you'll have a whole new fresh outlook. How's that for a closing analogy? Um, yeah, that's about it. Just relax a little bit. Don't get wrapped around the axle. Don't get stressed, Nicole, and um, appreciate what you got. That's it. Love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of the conversation today. I know it was uh, a little bit of a randomy topic, but I think we got there in the end. I think we parsed it a little bit and found out what the heart of it is. So really, really grateful to everybody who participated. If you had your hand up today, I'm so sorry. I pressed 
the button to bring you up for some reason, it's just not working. And we've been struggling with Clubhouse for a while now. For some reason, half the time we can see when hands are up, half the time we can't, half the time we can bring somebody up when we try and half the time we can't. It may be that we need to start experimenting with some other platforms that serve us a little bit better. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but please forgive me if we weren't able to get to you today. I tried, I'm so sorry. Your thoughts are still valuable. So if you had something to say and you weren't able to share it today, please head over to the Artist Forge Facebook group. Um, if you're not a member, request membership. Make sure you answer the questions, we'll get you in. But add it there. We do wanna hear from you. That's the whole reason this room exists um, is for conversation and trying to have a dialectic where we can get closer to the truth together. So I hope you will go and share that there. And of course, on Thursday, we will be doing the first live stream of the month. It'll be both in the Facebook group and on the Facebook page and on YouTube at Nicole Creates. So you'll be able to come hang out with us, share your thoughts as we use our visual literacy skills to break down some images and share some of the things that have really impacted us in our conversations over the past couple of weeks. We'll also announce the January or the February challenge so that we can jump on that, start making cool, cool stuff. And in the meantime, you know we're here every weekday morning, bright and early at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 a.m. for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast. Afternoon for our friends overseas. And we hope that you will join us tomorrow. In the meantime, go make something amazing. Have a fantastic day. Bye, friends. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.